at the dawn of creation, he was situated in Brahma's heart, and he appeared outside Brahma's heart as well to give him the Diksha Mantra, Gopal Mantra, Kam Gayatri, in the process of, uh, and, and instructed him in the uh, methods of uh, spiritual practice. Such things are discussed in Brahma Samhita, in Gopal Tapani Upanishad, in Srimad Bhagavatam. And um, so, the Lord is in the heart, the Lord comes outside. But Prabhupada, Prabhupada always used to like to explain that Brahma's position is a little different than ours. There is nobody else around. <laughs> so the Lord personally appeared uh, outside the heart as the Guru. But uh, the position is not entirely different. The Lord also personally appears outside of the heart of the Jiva to instruct him as the Guru. But he doesn't appear just in his original form, in Gopavesh, dressed as a Gopa, as he did for Brahmaji. But same principle. He's in the heart, he appears outside the heart. The jiva cannot contact the Lord in the heart directly. Brahma did have some capacity to do that. But uh, still the Lord appeared outside of his heart to instruct him, give him the mantra and so forth. So because of our um, inability, if you will, to hear the Lord in the heart, to take good advice, to, 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 to listen to the Chaitya Guru. Instead of the, the busyness and the loud uh, speaking of the mind is there, senses have become wedded to sense objects and and um, corrupted the mind and intellect. And, and so this is these are all speaking loudly to us and taking our attention. The Lord is there as a witness in the heart, but... We cannot hear him, so he comes outside as the guru to speak loudly to us and make it clear, I'm over here and this is where you, how you should conduct yourself and so forth if you want to find me, if you want to be happy. So this is a great uh, uh, kindness of Krishna to make such an appearance as a mahant, as a devotee before us to instruct us about himself within. I like to say, on the basis of this verse, that the that the, the the guru is not a foreign element, but really is a manifestation of our own heart, the better part, the better side of our heart, where the Lord is seated. Hmm? In terms of the heart's potential, the heart is that uh, when we speak about it, we mean that our very self, the giving, uh, the heart is about has the capacity to give. So we repose our heart, meaning we repose ourself in one thing or another thing. So the Lord has taken a seat in the heart and, and he appears outside the heart to direct us how to repose our heart in him. That um, our highest prospect in life can be realized. I'd like to tell the story of how one of my disciples many years ago, she had joined the mission and a friend wrote to her, some of you have heard the story and said, oh, I th- he's, he was happy for her. And he, but he said I, in the letter, I just want to know that um, when you look in the mirror, are you smiling? The implication was that there you are, you're, you're following somebody and some group. And, all, but, and, you know, it makes sense because he, she had written him a philosophical letter. All these things make sense. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but are you really happy doing all this? Is it really making you happy? And so if you look in the mirror, do you smile? She wrote back and said, actually, 
uh, I used to look in the mirror and smile, but ever since then, now I, since I've joined here, I look in the mirror and I don't see that much to smile about. I see so many things about myself that I didn't realize were there that need to be improved and and so forth. She said, but when I look at my guru, then I smile. So she told me I liked it very much. I said, yes, the guru is actually the our heart prospect coming before us, all that we can can be. And uh, such a kind manifestation of Krishna to come and show us practically. The devotees are, uh, in, a, in this sense, more important to the Lord because the Lord gives the theory and so forth, but the devotees appear practically to and instruct us by their example and so forth, as well as by giving elaborating upon the teachings. So, in a sense, as I'm saying, the guru is not a foreign element, but our own heart highest hope manifesting before us in a way is to show us how it's possible to attain that, to achieve that. So, from guru to devotee, now we're going to discuss, he's going to discuss about the devotees, Vande Gurun Ishabhaktan. He says, Tato Dushangam Utsrijya Satsu Sajeta Budiman Shanta Eva Sachindanti Mano Vyasangam Uktibhi, from Srimad Bhagavatam, Uddhava Gita, appearing in the 11th canto. One should therefore avoid bad company and associate only with devotees. With their realized instruction, such saints can cut the knot connecting one with activities unfavorable to devotional service. So, emphasis here on the necessity of uh, associating with devotees and how they have the power to save us from the kind of association and activities that are creating problems for us. It's all a matter of association because we are tatasta shakti. It means largely we are a product of our environment. If we keep bad association, if we associate with matter, we become almost like matter. The capacity of the soul, its potential, it may be likened to water in comparison to matter's capacity and potential, which is uh, ice. It's not, I don't mean to say by this example, it falls short in some respects, that the, the soul is a transformation, is matter transformed, because ice transformed is water. But we become ice-like, if you will. We become matter-like by identifying with matter. What I mean to say is that, what can you do with ice but cool water? Not much. But what can you do with water in comparison to ice? So many things you can do. So when the soul is identified with matter, through association we become like matter, practically. We become our our capacity, um, our potential, it becomes uh, so uh, limited our sense of self and what, what life holds for us. We think in the mind, we can only think so far about what possibilities there are with our intelligence, we reason what, what could be and what couldn't be, and so forth. It's very, very, very limited compared to what is the nature of being. Prabhupada used to say, quoting Napoleon, with regard to the spiritual world and the possibilities of devotional service, that impossible is a word in a fool's dictionary. Anything possible. 
So we have, due to association with matter, we become like like ice-like, like stone practically, like matter, in comparison to what our capacity, our potential is. We hear things about the soul, and then we wonder how is it how is it possible? We don't have much sense of what the soul is. I would like to like to use the example, and I have in the past, that uh, of of how we look as human beings, and we see birds fly in the sky, and fish can swim, you know, to the depths of the ocean. And we want to go to the depths of the ocean. We want to fly high in the sky. And why we want to do that is because the soul in human life has become unfettered, uncovered by matter's influence to the extent that it can think about itself, and and its 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 capacity is such that it can fly in the sky. Birds are doing it. It's not that the body's doing it because there's a soul in there. Fish are going to the bottom of the ocean. Soul is what sarvagata. We discussed this the other day. Can do can live anywhere, in any condition. It's not dependent upon matter. What does Bhagavad Gita say? Nainam chindanti shastrani, nainam dhati pavaka. No weapon can cut it. No, can be moistened by the, or drowned by water, burned by fire. No, independent from matter. But we become identified with matter, then all the transformations that matter inevitably undergoes, like birth. All material manifestations are born. They have a duration. They they mature. They do they dwindle, and they they die. They disappear. We identify with all these transformations and we think we're going through them. So we become like matter. Uh, we're limited. Uh, we limit our life. We hear about the possibilities of the soul and we think, how could it be? Is it possible? Or God? So, the point is here, relative to the, to the verse quoted from Bhagavatam, association is everything. If we associate with matter, we become like matter. If we associate with sadhus in the current of a divine current and uh, what what opens to us? What what an opportunity! This is the doorway. Mahat sevam dwaram, The sadhu, the mahants. Uh, this is the doorway to real life. That association. Then he says another verse along these lines. Very famous verses. These are. This one here is most famous. If you can commit verse to memory, this is a good one. Satam prasangam. Kapiladev, speaking to his dear mother, Devahuti, told her, the spiritual, the powerful message of Godhead, here that spiritually powerful message of Godhead is called Rasayana Katha, a rasayana is, a re, is, a, is an elixir for rejuvenation, like to give new life, to extend your life, to make an old man young, like that. The Prabhupada, in the very latter days of his manifest appearance in this world, uh, somebody mentioned something about his age and condition. He said, his eyes got big, he said, we are all young boys. <laughs> that was his <laughs> outlook. <laughs> uh, so, Rasayana Katha, the Katha about Krishna, Kapila says, it, it's a Rasayana, Karna. If it goes through your ear, you drink that Rasayana of Krishna Katha through your ear, it will go into your heart. And where can you get it? 
satam prasangam. In the association of the satam, of devotees, satam is a word means truthful, and it's synonymous with devotees who have personal integrity, truthful, honest people, satam prasangam. In the association of the truthful, then mamavirya samvido, my virtuous activities, this is Kapila speaking, the incarnation of Krishna, mamavirya, virya means my heroic Glorious activities, mamabiriya sambido, bhavanti, fritkarana, rasayana. They appear in, in the heart of a devotee who drinks this message, this, this rejuvenate elixir of this kata. I mean, if you, these, this is what devotees do. What does Bhagavad Gita say? Satatam kirtayantomam itantas chadudabrataha. This is the business of the devotees. Krishna is describing there in the ninth chapter of the Mahatmas, great souls. What do they do? Always singing about me. So in their company, then this is what's being passed around. This is the, the bottle that's being passed around, the elixir. They're drinking Srimad Bhagavatam. Nigamakalpataro galitam phalam shukumukadamatadabasam butam pivata bhagavatam rasam malayam muhuroho rasika bhuvi bhavaka. Drinking the fruit of Srimad Bhagavatam. It's like, take the fruit and take away the pit and the skin and the pulp, just the juice, and they're drinking it. The, the sweet message of Srimad Bhagavatam and passing out, rasam alayam, they're passing out from that, getting up and drinking it again. So if we come in the association of these mad people, drunkards, then same thing. As if you associate with people who are drinking wine, you become a drunkard. So if you associate with them, then this elixir, this arsayana, will go in your ear. It will enter your heart. And what will happen then? Anukram. Anukram. Kram means step. Anu. One. Before. After. Following. Step by step, you will go in the direction of Krishna consciousness. Tajjoshanad ashvapavargavartmani. By properly cultivating this, hearing about Krishna, ashu, very quickly, Apavaruga, one attains liberation on the path. And what is the path? Shraddha, Rati, Bhaktir, Anukram. Step by step, the path is from Shraddha to Rati. He is giving a condensed idea of Rupa Goswami's explanation. Bhakti starts, Ado, Shraddha, with faith, awakened in your heart by the sadhu. And then it moves through all the stages of sadhana bhakti. Shraddha, sadhu sangha, anartha nivritti, nishta, ruchi, asakti. And sadhana bhakti is complete, one gets rati. Rati means bhav. So he's saying here, anukram, step by step through this hearing about Krishna, one moves through these different stages and attains rati. Rati means love. That love is cultivated, it turns into prem. So this is our ideal. The goal of sadhana bhakti is what? Bhav bhakti. Rati. So we should always keep this in mind. This is what we're interested in here. All of our activities, what we're cultivating. That rati, love for Krishna. So, this way he emphasizes again through the second verse, the association of devotees, the value of the, of the association of devotees. It's also being said here, of course, uh, that at the 
devotee and the Lord are one. Ishvara Swarup Bhakta Tanra Adhisthan Bhakti Hridayi Krishner Satata Vishram. A pure devotee constantly engaged in loving service of the Lord is identical with the Lord who is seated in his heart. So again, this is what he's establishing here. These principles given in the first verse, he gives an obeisance to the Lord and he's kind of breaking that down into different manifestations of the Lord. The Guru and the devotee. Here he's saying the devotee is also non-different from the Lord. Now how is that? I've spoken about this from time to time. Let us take the Brajalila, for example, which is our concern and interest with which Mahaprabhu was preoccupied and has come to give access to, to the fallen jivas in this world. Krishna corresponds wholly with the hearts of his devotees. He says it in the Gita, I manifest in reciprocation to the hearts of my devotees. So his appearance, where is it? It has its genesis in the hearts of his devotees. So where will we find him most? In the hearts of his devotees. I like to say that when we come before the deity, we pay obeisances. Why? When we think about it, we realize, oh, because a devotee told me, this is Krishna. So where is Krishna? In that devotee. That devotee knows. Because he he has Krishna, feels Krishna in his heart. He, he recognizes the deity, and he's telling us that. And then we're learning how to develop love for Krishna. And if we have some love, then we'll tell somebody else, this is Krishna. I remember when I went to the uh, first festival uh, in Prabhupada's mission was held in Berkeley, festival for Lord Chaitanya, just before I, I, I joined the mission. It's a long story, but when I was there, there was a nice uh, devotee lady serving out halava, apple halava. And uh, she held up a, a picture of uh, Lord Jagannath and said, this is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It had a huge impression upon me that her, just to hear her, her, her faith that uh, she uh, was sharing with me. I just, uh, I believed it. Not because the picture looked like God should look or anything like that, I would, you would have thought, but, but because of her, her feeling for the, for the subject matter. So the Lord is in the hearts of the devotees. And now he's going to uh, give a verse to, to confirm that from Srimad Bhagavatam. But think a minute before we cite it about the Brajalila again. Krishna is showing himself in different ways, even in the Brajalila to different devotees. It is said that the full expression of Krishna, of God, it is where? His devotee? Standing next to Radharani. Because why? Why? because she is the fullest expression of devotion. Yes, Radharani is also non-different from Krishna, but a manifestation of Krishna, but she's both. She's both the, the goddess, object of devotion for us, and the ideal of devotion personified. So she has the greatest love for Krishna. She's the fullest expression of love for Krishna. So. Where is Krishna fully, most fully manifest? Standing next to her. So he is non-different than that love. That love is his Swarup Shakti. When he awakens the Swarup Shakti in the heart of a Jiva, Jiva has relationship with him. 
Krishna never goes outside of himself. So his love shared with devotees is his, his interacting with his Swarup Shakti, not with the Maya Shakti. And in a sense, well, with the, with the Jiva Shakti in terms of its full potential to be completely under the influence of Swarup Shakti. So the Lord, as you can see as I'm explaining, Krishna is relative to the devotee. What, we can explain it another way. What is, what is the, uh, is there any meaning to a teacher without students? <laughs> there's no, there's no real meaning to the, the, the two have to be together. So for there to be God, there must be devotees and there must be devotion. Therefore we say that those who want to do away with devotion in the ultimum, like the monists, they're also doing away with God. We consider them atheists, even though they may couch their atheism in so many apparent uh, devotional phrases and uh, activities. And the ultimate issue, we consider them atheistic. So much we are emphasizing this point that we we place, not to speak we, but, but the Lord places greater emphasis on his devotee than himself. So here now, first from Bhagavatam, this is a famous verse spoken by, Dura, uh, by uh, Maharaj Ambarish, by the Lord, I should say, in relation to the Leela of Ambarish and Durvas Muni. Durvas Muni gave trouble to Maharaj Ambarish, who was a great devotee. And so the Krishna Sudarshan Chakra came and chased him. And he fled by mystic yoga far and wide, but the chakra was right behind him. Then he got into Vaikuntha, which you can't get without devotion, but the Lord led him in to teach something about devotion. And Narayan said to him, I can't help you. And if you want relief from that chakra, once it's been released, then because of your offense to the devotee, you have to go back to the devotee. You offended. Only he can free you from that. So he went all the way back from the source of his fleeing, which was the place of Maharaj Ambarish, and begged his forgiveness. So in explaining that, Narayan tells Durvas, what is the position of his devotees. Sadavo hridayam mayam, sadunam hridayam tvaham, mad anyat te najananti, naham te biomanagupi. Saints are my heart, and I, and only I, am their hearts. They do not know anyone but me, and therefore I do not recognize anyone besides them as me. So here you also have some idea what it means to be a devotee. What do we say in the morning? What do we sing? Satyakori magi ami sukomal pran tavapriti vine nahi na chahi bhavan tavapriti vine nahi Love for you only. Nothing else. When can I satyakori? When can I honestly say that I have only love for you? Nothing else. No other interest in my heart. This is our appeal to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He says it here. They do not know anyone but me. They do not recognize anyone besides, and I do not recognize anyone besides them as mine. Krishna has a concept of mine. We've talked about this before. I and mine. Our sense of I is all relative to our sense of my. What I think is mine determines my material ego. So Krishna has an identity, an ego. And what is it based on? That which is, he thinks is mine, 
And what does he think is mine? Nothing but his devotees. Again, so the devotees are defining Krishna. <laughs> the I, the supreme I that is Krishna, is defined by the Absolute's attachment to his own devotees. You understand? It's a very nice idea. Then, another famous verse. Bhavadvidha Bhagavatas Tirtha Bhuta Swayam Vibhu Tirti Kurvanti Tirtani Svantastena Gadabrita Yudhisthira Maharaj speaks to Vidura early on in the Bhagavatam, the first canto. Vidura wanted to go traveling to places of pilgrimage. Vidura was, is, what, the half-brother of Vridharastra? And um, he was a sadhu. Yudhisthira Maharaj didn't want him to leave the palace because Yudhisthira Maharaj was also a devotee. So he gave this as a uh, reasoning why Vidura should not go on pilgrimage. What does he say? Saints of your caliber are themselves places of pilgrimage. Because of their purity, they are constantly constant companions of the Lord, and therefore they can purify even the places of pilgrimage. So he's saying, you are a Tirtha, place of pilgrimage. Why do you need to go to one? If you do go, you'll make the Tirthas holy. And that's why it said, what? Don't, if you go to the Tirtha, just to take a bath, like to the sacred Ganges or the Jamuna, but you don't take advantage of, of hearing from saintly persons who live there, then you wasted your time practically. Just become, it's just, just tourism. The whole idea of, of places of pilgrimage is that they're populated by, by saintly persons whose company we should take advantage of. So in this way, Sei bhakta gaon hai dvividha prakar parishad gaon eka Sadaka gone are. He is, concludes with this verse describing the devotees, and he says there are two kinds. There are the parshadas and the sadakas. Well, the parshadas can be further subdivided, of course, nitya siddhas, sadhana siddhas, who become, means the associates of the Lord, who have become the retinue of the Lord there with, with him in the spiritual world. And other than the parshadas, then there are the sadakas who are living in this world and pursuing that ideal. It's said that the Lord comes to the world and for that matter even manifests the world for the sake of the sadhakas to bring them back to, back to God, to give them opportunity to perfect themselves. So with this verse he concludes the description of the devotees and how the devotees are a manifestation of the Lord. Then... So he says there are three kinds of avatars. So now, Bande Gurun, Ishabhaktan, Ishan, Ishavatarakam. He's describing the avatar, the Lord. He says here there are three kinds. There's Angsha avatar, there's Guna avatar, and Shaktaveshavatar. Now there are more types of avatars than this. And this will be elaborated upon in the Sanatan Shiksha, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Madhilila instructs Sanatan Goswami. But Angsavatar can be a way of speaking about many different types of avatar, like, like Yuga avatar, Lila avatar, and so forth. Amsa means that they're partial, partial manifestations of the Lord. 
So he seems to have lumped many of them into the Angs avatar and then spoken of Guna avatar here and Shaktivesh avatar. Guna avatar means like Brahma, Shiva and so forth, Shaktivesh, like uh, Vyas and uh, Prithu and others. And he'll give examples in the subsequent verses as he has in the second of these two verses uh, by giving an again, example of Angs avatar, Matsya. And Matsya is, of course, a, a Leela avatar as, as well. So... Again, he's couched many avatars in the concept of Aung's avatar. So he says there are three categories, these three, and then he says uh, the Purushas means the different uh, Karnadakshai, Shirdakshai, Kabadakshai Vishnu, and Matsya are examples of partial incarnations. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiv, Teen, Gunabhuta, Gani. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, these are examples of <coughs> Gunavatars. Guna means what? Guna means modes of nature. So the avatars presiding over the modes of nature. Sattva, Rajas, and Tamas. Shaktyavesh, Sanakadi, Prithu, Vyasmuni. He gives examples of Shaktyavesh. Vyas, avatar, Gyan Shakti. He's empowered with the Shakti of Gyan. Prithu was empowered with the Palana Shakti, the ruling power, power to rule over others. Uh, Sanakadi, the Kumaras, they were also empowered avatars. There are many types of empowered avatars. And Dui Rupe Hoi Bhagavan E Prakash Eke Ta Prakash Hoi Are Tavila. So now from incarnations, he's speaking about the manifestations or expansions. So Vande Gurun, Isha Bhaktan, Ishan Ishabhatarakam, Tat Prakashams. Prakash means Expansion, manifestation of the Lord, different than the avatars. These are all, um, what? What is the difference between an expansion and an avatar? Avatar has something to do with the material world. Descends the incarnation to the material world. Avatara means from up to coming to down. These are expansions in the spiritual world. They may also come for Leela. Krishna comes for Leela, but is Krishna an avatar? No, he's avatari, the source of avatars. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. And when they, when Krishna comes, then Ram will come, Balaram, and so forth. So this is one slight difference between the expansions and the avatars. We generally say avatars begin with uh, this uh, in the second Chaturviva, then the expansion of the Purushas and all the avatars coming from them. So, he's going to speak briefly here about these uh, manifestations. Again, these are elaborately discussed in, in Madhya Lila, in Sanatana Shiksha. And uh, Rinrani is going to provide you with a chart uh, showing very complicated, uh, somewhat complicated types of uh, expansions and avatars of the Lord, how they all come from Krishna. Prakash, Vilas, Vaibhava Prakash, this Prakash, that Prakash, it's a little complicated. The main thing to draw from this, without going into and understanding all the details of these different manifestations, is what? Is that the Goswamis, in writing about this, as they have that there's this type of manifestation or that one, just the fact that there are different types of avatars, avatars is, 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 is very um, extraordinary. Um, you'll find people that say that their guru is an avatar of Krishna, or gurus themselves will say, I'm the avatar of Krishna, I'm Krishna himself. And, but you don't find anywhere, but amongst in the Goswami Granthas, this kind of 
their scriptures, their writings, these explanations of how many different kinds of avatars there are. So if you find someone says, my guru is an avatar of Krishna, you say, which, which type is he? Which type of avatar? They won't have anything to say. He says, is he a guna avatar? Is he a lila avatar? Is he a yuga avatar? Shaktivesha avatar? Hmm, this avatar? That? All this kind of insight of the Goswamis is very extraordinary. And they, they have, in detail, in Lagu Bhagavatam, Rupa Goswami and Griti, they have gone into all these different types of avatars and, and um, expansions of the Lord to, just to demonstrate what is Krishna's position as the source. So it's not just some sentiment or sectarian propaganda we think our Krishna is, is the supreme and everybody else is a you know, manifestation. We've actually explained the whole thing, our Goswamis have with scriptural references and so forth. It's very uh, yeah, compelling, actually. So he says here in this uh, first verse describing the expansions, the personality of God exhibits itself in two kinds of forms, prakash and vilas. First he's going to describe the prakash. And he says... When the Lord expands himself in many forms, which are all non-different in their features, this is called Prakash. Like, he gives the example, when the Lord manifests himself in 16,108 forms to marry the queens of Dwarka, or when he stood between each gopi and performed the Rasa dance. So this is a particular type of expansion of the Lord called Prakash. He gives a verse from Bhagavatam to a few of them, to explain this examples of this Prakash, to back up what he has said, Mahishi Bipale Aiche Aiche Koila Ras Ihake Kohie Krishner Mukya Prakash. Example from scripture, Chitram Bataitad Ekena Vapusa Jugapat Pritak Riheshu Dvashta Sahasram Striya Eka Udhavahat. It is astounding that Lord Krishna who is one without a second, expanded himself into 16,000 similar forms to marry 16,000 queens in their respective homes. Narada had the experience in 69th chapter of the 10th canto. Rasotsava sam pravitho gopi mandala manditaha yogishparena krishnena tasa madhye dvayor dvayor from Srimad Bhagavatam. When Krishna surrounded by groups of coward girls began the festivities of the Rasa dance. The Lord of all mystic powers, Yogeshwar, placed himself between each two girls. So the, the manifestations, there are manifestations of the Lord, many, they all look exactly like him, same, no difference. Sadharanam ati otsukya prittatmanam tato dundu bayod nedur nepetu pushpavishtaya. When the coward girls and Krishna thus joined together, each girl thought that Krishna was dearly embracing her alone to behold this wonderful pastime of the lords, the denizens of heaven, and their wives, all very eager to see the dance, flew in the sky. In their hundreds of airplanes, they showered flowers and beat sweetly on drums. Anikatra prakatata rupasyaikasya yaikada sarvatatat swarupayeva 
saprakasha itiryate. If numerous forms, all equal in their features, are displayed simultaneously, such forms are called prakash vigrahas. So this is a Pramana Shlok uh, from the Goswami Granthas. In the word, this is Rupa Goswami's book he's quoting, Lagu Bhagavatamrita, and des- describing all these types of manifestations, like the Lord is marrying the queens and dancing with gopis, or when Krishna sat with each cowherd boy during the Brahmi Mohan Leela, next to each one, putting food in his mouth and taking food from his mouth and putting it in his own mouth and so forth. These are all... Prakash Vigrahas. Now we go to the Bilas Vigraha. What is the difference between the Prakash and the Bilas Vigraha? E ka ivigraha kintu akare hoi an, anik prakash hoi bilas tarnam. But when the numerous forms are slightly different from one another, they are called Bilas Vigrahas. What is a good example of that? He'll come to that nice example. First he gives a verse from Lagu Bhagavatamrita. Swarupam anyakaram yat tasya bhati bilasataha prayenatma samam shaktya sabilaso nigadite. When the Lord displays numerous forms with different features by his inconceivable potency, such forms are called vilas vigrahas. Example, yoiche baladev paravyome narayan yoiche vasudev pradyum nadi sankarshan. Examples of such Vilas Vigrahas are, are Baladev, Lord Balaram. It's just like Krishna, but his complexion is different. And because his complexion is different, he has a slightly different emotional makeup also. Colors have corresponding emotional emotions. Just like when you get angry, you, you turn red. So... Balaram has a different complexion and a different emotional makeup. He's Krishna, but he's a Vilas Vigraha of Krishna. He has the emotional makeup of the brother of Krishna, a Dauji, we call him, the elder brother, looking out for Krishna. And Narayan, Vasudev, Pradyumna, Sankarshan, this is the Chaturvyuha. First Chaturvyuha expands for pastimes in Golok, second in Vaikuntha. Ishwarer Shakti Hai eighteen prakar. Now he's going from the uh, Tat Prakashams to the Shakti. The Guru, the devotee, the avatar, the manifestation of the Lord or his expansion, now the Shaktis of the Lord. Ishwarer Shakti Hai eighteen prakar. He says there are three types of Shaktis of the Lord, manifestations of the Shakti. Ek Lakshmi Gan Puri Mahishi Gan Ar Brajagopi Gan Ar. The energies of the Supreme Lord of three kinds, Lakshmis of Vaikuntha, Queens of Dwarka, and the Gopis of Vrindavan. The Gopis are best of all, for they have the privilege of serving Brajendranandanan, Krishna. He's the primeval Lord, the son of the King of Braj. So, this again is given in an abbreviated way, as was the discussion of the avatars, End of the um, expansions. Parasya Shakti, Vibhadai, Vishuyutaya. said there, Lord has innumerable Shaktis, but he's focused on three principal manifestations of the Shakti within the, the Lord's Leela. In Goloka, in Vrindavan, and Goloka in Dwarka, and then in Vaikuntha. As the Brajagopis, headed by Radha, 
queens of Dwarka, headed by Rukmini, and the consorts of the Lord in Vaikuntha, in all of his manifestations, who are known as Lakshmi, or Sita in relation to Ram, and so on. Swayam Rup Krishner Khai Bhuhat Tanrasam Bhakta Sohite Hai Tanhara Abharan The personal associates of the primeval Lord Sri Krishna are his devotees who are identical with him. He is complete with his entourage of devotees. So now he's identified these shaktis and for that matter the manifestations, expansions of the Lord and the avatars also as devotees. And they are so particularly in relation to Mahaprabhu. We find they all, so many of them appear in Mahaprabhu's Leela. Bhakta Adikrami Kohila Sabhara Vandan E Sabhara Vandana Sarva Subherakaran now I have worshipped the various levels of devotees, worshipping them as the source of all good fortune. So you see here, it's interesting, because he said all these manifestations are the Lord, the Guru, the devotee, he's explained. These in- incarnations, the um, expansions, the shaktis, in as much as they're the consorts of the Lord, like I said, Radharani, Krishna standing next to Rani, causing him to manifest, now he's calling them all devotees. He labored to show they were all the Lord, now he's showing they were all devotees. It is said what? Ekala Ishwar Krishna Arsabritya. Ekala Ishwar. There's one real, one God, everyone else's servant. That means even the avatars and his, uh, his shaktis, the gurus who are Krishna, but they're devotees of Krishna, so on and so forth. So, this nice idea really is fully expressed in the Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is where we find it actually demonstrated. Even Mahavishnu as a Dvaita is, is coming to be to profess, I'm actually a servant of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So this concludes his discussion on the first verse of the Mangalacharan and the first of his Namaskar verses. Are there any questions? Yes. Um, so even like Narayan in Vaikantha is a servant of Krishna, is that correct? So I think I'd sort of think of it like as Krishna just in a different mood. Well, it's both. It is Krishna in a different mood. But Krishna himself is so attractive. Mm-hmm. Well, to speak of Narayan in Vaikuntha, Krishna in Dwarka even desires to uh, to serve himself in, uh, in in Vrindavan. The Narayan, uh, there's an example in Bhagavatam. Narayan stole several sons of one Brahman right after they were born. They disappeared. And so uh, the Kshatriyas in charge were looking for them, couldn't find them, because their business is to protect the Brahmins. And then Arjun pledged, if I cannot find him, then I'll take my life. And he couldn't find him. So Krishna said, better come with me. I'm not going to let you take your life. And he took him to Narayan's planet. And there all the, the, the kids were there. And why Narayan had done that is because I want to get the darshan of Krishna, personally. He would come here. So that's, Narayan is Krishna, but he, he's, he's demonstrating how attractive Krishna is. So normally, yes. Narayan is a manifestation of Krishna. He has his devotees, and so he's not got a, got a puja going on to Krishna. But when Krishna comes as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that's a special opportunity. 
Krishna has come as a devotee of himself, what is he doing by, by saying by doing that? The position of the devotee is so exalted that the best thing that you can get in life is, is from the vantage point of a devotee. And I want that vantage point. And so everyone else jumps on board as well. Narayan, Shiva, everybody's coming to take advantage of that opportunity and say, yes, actually, if you're going to become a devotee, we can become devotees and worship you. Anyway, something like that. So you're right, you're right. Narayan is a, is a manifestation of the Lord, but he's also... Krishna has qualities that he doesn't have. It makes him more, more attractive. His wife is attracted. Narayan's wife wanted to leave him to associate with Krishna. Narayan didn't blame her. So everyone wants to be a devotee, even the demigods, and including Krishna. That's why he came as Chaitanya to be a devotee of himself. Position of the devotee is, yeah. Krishna is teaching himself that there is no better position than that of a devotee. He's, the whole Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was teaching that. It's an incredible idea. And, and in, the, in this world, nobody wants to be a devotee. Everybody wants to be the Lord. The Lord comes to this world and say, you're all crazy. You've got it backwards. Shudamar hmm? used to quote a saying. It goes something like this. We would rather reign in hell than to serve in heaven. That's Lucifer's position, right? So this is our position. So we, we so, so much have the ego of wanting to lord it over, to be in control. <coughs> even though it's uh, a great struggle to do so. It's hellish. We'd rather do that than serve, such as our obstinacy. Probably used to call it, what? Causeless unwillingness. In other words, there's no good reason for it. It's bad reasoning. Chaitanya Charita Amrita Ki Jai Udhpramanande